Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. What the heck is happening down under? So many cops seem to be abusing their powers in the name of COVID control. And Avi Ameni has the latest egregious example. Just when you thought that the litigious transgender pest a.k.a. Jonathan Yaniv, was out of sight and out of mind. Well, it's back. And this time, is it really sexually harassing firefighters? Kian Bexty has all the lurid details. And letters, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my latest visit to a Toronto-area Radisson that, much like other Radissons, is less a hotel and more a quarantining facility. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Afternoon. Hi. I'm well on yourself. That's good. I'm senior constable Alan Ward. I'm from the Road Policing Task Force. The reason I've stopped your vehicle today is because of how fast you're doing coming down the bridge. You aware of how fast you're travelling? So he claimed he was just pulling her over for speeding, but suddenly things got very weird. Queensland license, is it? Yeah. Okay. No worries. And is this your motor vehicle? Yeah. And it's registered in your name? Sorry? I'll give you my name. Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And whereabouts are you travelling from today? Where am I travelling from? I'm yep. not going to answer any questions. Okay. That is a question that you do have to answer under the Queensland Health Act and the current COVID-19. Okay. I do require you to know where you've come from, where you're going to, and the purpose of your okay. travelling. I need to know where you've come from, where you're going, and the purpose of your trip. Suddenly it seems like I pulled you over for speeding was just an excuse. I do not have to answer. 
okay? If you refuse to answer, you're going to leave me with no choice but to arrest you. Okay, I'll come back to you in a sec. That's a little over the top, I'd say. If you don't tell me where you came from, where you're going, and why you're in your, in your car with your child, I'll have to arrest you. By the way, cops have a lot of discretion when it comes to enforcing COVID directions. He certainly has the choice of whether to arrest Anna for allegedly breaking coronavirus restrictions or to just ticket her for allegedly speeding if that was the reason why he really uh, initially pulled her over in the first place. But this pandemic has undoubtedly proven to the public that there are two types of cops out there. There are those who use their discretion in the best interests of the people they're supposed to serve. But there are also those using the pandemic for a personal power trip. There's no need to get angry. No, I'm telling you, you're not answering my question. Okay. My name... Open the door. ...is Anna Marie Stancombe. Excuse me. I have stated my name. Okay, you are intimidating me. It took five attempts. Uh, Do I need to ring triple O because my son is very scared here. He is seven years old. You're opening your door by force. You're because being you're rude to me. you're not answering my questions. I will answer I your questions. I a reasonable question. Okay, you're intimidating me. Can you please get out of my personal space? Right. And okay, could you please today? shut the door, please? Not at this point in time, because okay. I'm concerned that you may drive off. Really? Yes. You have no authority to open my door. I am not obliged to answer your questions. You are obstructing me in the course of my duties and you're continuing to do so. I'm instructing you. You're about that far away from being arrested, okay? I'm not obliged to answer your questions. I stated my name. You are under the Queensland Health and COVID-19 Act. Okay. All I'm asking you is where have you been? Where are you going? What was the purpose of your journey? And if you don't answer, I'm going to have to arrest you. So you get pulled over for a speeding ticket. And the next thing you know, you have Sergeant Stadanko asking numerous irrelevant questions about your whereabouts and where you're off to and what you're planning on doing. And it is all being justified under the proviso of Wuhan virus safety protocols. Oh, give me a break. And joining me now to try and unravel this disturbing story of a member of law enforcement overplaying his hand when dealing with a law-abiding citizen is our very own wonder from down under, Avi Amini. Hey, how you doing there, Avi? G'day, mate. Good day. Avi, I must say, the way Australian police are acting these days, sometimes I wonder if I'm watching footage of Australia in 2021 or Germany in 1933. What gives? Yeah, it's scary stuff. You know, my my inbox is inundated with uh, people sending me footage that, you know, if you showed it to me uh, a year and a half ago, I would have told you, oh, that's got to be communist China. But it's here and it's happening daily over the most mundane rubbish. You know, they're not chasing real criminals anymore they're targeting people for not wearing masks or people for traveling too far um and we're not talking about you know big tattooed thugs we're talking about you know single mums in their cars we're talking about grannies on park benches we're talking about everyday aussies just trying to survive through the craziness of 2020 and now 2021 and you know what i found a little disturbing about your video abby with this lady was that when this 
man goes back into his police cruiser, and I noticed the Mercedes-Benz logo. I didn't know <laughs> Australian police were driving Benzes. My goodness. So they, they, must be, they must be raking in a lot of ticket money. But it, it, it was more than just a rogue cop, a, a police officer acting badly, because somebody on the, I guess, on the dispatch side uh, went, hey, good job. You know, good for you. You threw the book at her. So it's, a, it's almost like there's a little club mentality. Avi, is there, I don't know, do these guys work on a quota system, a goal system that they, they have to write out so many tickets, bring in so many fines? Is this an economic penalization of the citizens that we're seeing here? You know, it's interesting. I, I, the other day I was in a police station, <laughs> as I often am, and, um, it, I, and I was standing there uh, waiting to sign a document and uh, somebody called out to me and I turned around and it's a cop there and it turns out he was a friend of mine from when I was a kid and he came outside and we, you know, he went to have a cigarette and we had a chat. We haven't seen each other since, you know, we were almost teenagers together. And, you know, he loves our work and he watches all the Rebel News videos and there are a lot of cops like him. And let me just start with that. There's a lot of cops that actually send me messages that are just as outraged as you and I about what's happening and about um, the mentality that seems to be growing in a lot of these police forces across the country and across the world. But I said to him, you know, I think the pandemic, the biggest victims of the pandemic have really been... Um, or at least the lockdowns and, and all the uh, restrictions have really been good cops. Mm. Because when I said to him, do you, like you, the last six months, have you, how have you found it? He goes, oh, I haven't gotten involved at all in the in the COVID enforcement. I go, well, what do you mean you haven't gotten involved? You, you're on the police force. You're meant, you have to get involved. He goes, well, actually we're given discretion. Yeah. And it's, it's actually given me a new talking point in a lot of my videos. And, and I think in that video, I made it clear because it was right after I actually spoke to my friend. And he goes, I, I use my discretion. I haven't given out one fine. I haven't done anything. You know, he goes, put aside my personal beliefs. I'm here to do my job. But part of my job is discretion. And the problem we're seeing is I think this pandemic and, I, and, and watching videos from around the world, including Canada, I, I can see the pattern that what's happened is, is the pandemic and the new powers that have come with it, uh, legal or illegal, who cares, that's a different discussion for now, but those powers that police at least think they have are, are, are producing, two, are exposing two kinds of cops. They're showing us the kind of cops that, yes, they use their discretion because they're actually there to fight real crime, so they don't care if you wear a mask or not. Um, they're there to find, you know, the, the violent criminals that are robbing people that are holding up, you know, you know what we're talking about, actual criminals. Here we yes. have youth gangs, th th those kind of stuff. Um, and then it's really brought out those cops that join the police force because, I don't know, they got bullied in school and it's their way to, you know, finally uh, take their, their control out on the world and prove a point and enjoy that power trip that they are getting right now from here in Victoria to you know, never-ending state of emergency. So, and, and that that discussion with him really clarified it for me. And I, I know we, because we often, and we, I have, you have, and, uh, you know, a lot of people on the right have always said we back the blue because we do. I back the blue. I back proper law enforcement. 
But what we're seeing nowadays is not law enforcement. No. It's overreaching police state brutality. And, and you know, and, Abby, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I think you're really on to a very important point here. And I'll bring it to the experience I see in Toronto where you see young Dundas Square almost turn into Tiananmen Square circa 1989 with police literally taking over the square and shoving citizens aside right across the street. Here's the thing, Evie. Um, there are the puppet masters who are behind the police, uh, the mayors, the premiers, these days public health officials that have gotten drunk on power thanks to the pandemic. And I think what it's led to, to go back to your point, when I look at the police at Young Dundas Square, you can't read minds, of course, but you can pick up vibes. And the vibes I pick up are, with some officers, you really get the idea that they're going, I didn't sign up for this. And there's another cat of police officer that is like, oh, finally, whack them and stack them. You know, uh, you know, handcuff, arrest, do all that TV police stuff. That's the vibe I'm getting. Do you see that playing out where you are as well? I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm describing. It is that and, uh, you know, it's sad because... Those cops that are standing there going, this is not what I signed up for. They're the good guys, and they're the guys that when it comes down to um, taking on the real, you know, hardened criminals, they're the first to be there and to put their, their lives in danger to protect the public, to serve and protect like they signed up for. And those other cops that are picking on um, innocent, law-abiding citizens who just want to go about living their life peacefully – they're the first to um, run away from a real criminal. They're the first to, to cower in the face of a real threat. And I think, uh, you know, if if we could, the best thing, the, the silver lining of this pandemic is we should be able to clean out our police force using the data we've collected over this period. Go, okay, those, those cops that got drunk on power during this period and picked on innocent civilians, um, maybe we should let them go and take on more of the good cops. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking in fantasy now because that makes way too much sense. You, you know what, Avi? Uh, we have to wrap it, but I, I hope you're right. I hope that is a silver lining, but my friend, I, I will believe it when I see it. So in any I event... You um, stay safe because it, it, it's made me infuriated seeing you get all that paperwork, which we don't have to get as journalists in Canada to cover something, and you still get thrown in a paddy wagon uh, like you're... Do you have raccoons in Australia? That's our big pest here in Toronto. We, but We, we have possums. possums. Possums, there you go. And uh, you're driven out of town and it's like catch and release, and it's just absolutely shocking. Uh, the, the lack of respect to civil liberties, including freedom of the press. So thank you so much for that excellent Thanks, video, mate. Abby. You got it. Thank you, brother. And that was Avi Yamini down under. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Just when he thought he couldn't abuse the court system any more than he already has, he does. This time, it appears that Jonathan Yaniv, someone you're probably aware of, well, he's using his elective penis removal surgery as an excuse to adjourn the criminal proceedings that are facing him. Jonathan Yaniv has asked a justice of the BC Provincial Court to adjourn his criminal trial, citing a series of surgeries that the sexual predator is undergoing. 
The judge actually granted the accused's request to adjourn on the basis of his surgeries and his health. Now, it's likely that Yaniv's health isn't actually as critical as it's being made out to be, not so critical that he can't attend a trial, certainly. It's widely suspected that the penis removal surgery that Yaniv elected to undergo in Montreal actually caused a localized infection. Apparently, the infection was successfully treated weeks ago, and Yaniv is actually able to do whatever they want to do. He's driving around acting pretty normal. Yaniv has not been so unwell that it stopped his regular activities. Just recently, it was announced that Yaniv has been harassing the local fire department, calling first responders to provide lift assistance to him over 30 times while he was in the bathtub. The township of Langley said that, quote, during the fire department's attendance at Yaniv's home, he engaged in inappropriate and lewd conduct towards fire department staff. The township, it says, takes this matter, including his misuse of township emergency services and the safety and well-being of its staff, very seriously. Yaniv's conduct has created, among other things, an inappropriate and unsafe environment for fire department staff. Further, Yaniv's request for non-emergency calls to the fire department have been putting an unnecessary strain on township resources. This is not acceptable, and the township will not be tolerating it going forward. This is great news. Jonathan Yaniv has been abusing the system longer than you would even believe. He's been calling the police, calling the fire department more times than you can imagine. And now he's using his health as an excuse to get out of a criminal trial. Now, I know this because I was subpoenaed to come and testify against Jonathan Yaniv at the very trial that has now been adjourned. Okay. Anyway, there's the subpoena. There's your driver license and there's some notes on the back for you. Sure, okay, thank you. Okay, sir. Have a great day. You as well. Jonathan Yaniv is managing to push this back further and further and further, and I have a feeling of dread about what is going on. Everyone, see, in the Canadian justice system is entitled to a fair and fast trial. Delayed justice isn't justice, they say. I have a very bad feeling that Jonathan Yaniv is going to be using this delay tactic over and over again so that he can just get out of jail free from the assault charges that he's facing. Keep in mind, this is just the third criminal charge that he's been charged with. There's been a lot going on in this case of this predator from Langley. The first two charges were possession of prohibited firearms, and then of course the assault came right after that. There's been more stuff since then, but this trial is just about the assault, and it looks like Jonathan Yaniv is doing everything that he possibly can to get out of jail free. And with more on Yaniv's latest shenanigans, is Kian Bexty in Calgary. So Kian, so many disturbing angles because we are discussing Yaniv here, but let's start with these firefighters rescuing Yaniv in its tub. Like surely this is some sort of sick joke, isn't it? Well, you think so, um, but it's part of the course for what we understand of Jonathan Yaniv. Uh, he abuses 911. He calls, you know, 911 more than he calls his mom. And that's not an, an exaggeration. He's called 911 hundreds of times. I think that the average person in their life might call 911, you know, maybe once a decade, maybe, uh, you know, but Yaniv calls 911 once a day. And in this case, the firefighters, uh, uh, the town of Langley sent this letter to Yaniv saying, quit calling us if it's not an emergency, because he had called the firefighters to come lift his body out <laughs> of the tub 30 times in like 10 days. 
And uh, of course, you, you, if you read the letter, it says that he was acting in a lewd and inappropriate matter, uh, manner, which is also something we understand is common with this, with this predator. Could you imagine, Kian, you know, a firefighter that maybe decades ago was watching, you know, American shows like Emergency and it's all about rescuing people and, and putting yep. out fires and maybe even get going up a ladder to save a cat. And you come to this individual's apartment and then does inappropriate actions. But here's the thing, Kian, you said he has called 911 hundreds of times. And I think I've heard that story before. There is a charge that can be, uh, you know, put on a citizen for I don't know the technical name, but it's abusing 911. If you're if you're at Burger King and you didn't get enough chicken nuggets and you call 911, uh, that's risky business. You can be charged with being abusive. He's clearly abusing not just the firefighters who come to rescue him, air quotes, but the 911 service itself. Why oh why? Does he always get cut a break? I don't know. And and this is something that he needs to be held accountable for because it's not just the firefighters that have to deal with his his undercarriage while he displays it to them in the tub uh, while he pretends to be stuck. It's the people that those firefighters and first responders could actually be helping. People who deserve that help, people who need that help, you know, people stuck in burning buildings or stuck in their car while it's going up in flames after a car accident. Those are the people that firefighters are supposed to be helping, not mentally ill predators like Jonathan Yaniv who are using the firefighters to to get off this is this is sexual to him and it's disgusting well i i'm sorry ken but that fire department has to stop responding and if it is indeed a a, a real emergency well hey maybe yaniv should have read the book the boy who cried wolf um but speaking of uh, as you call it undercarriages um you told me something just before we went on the air and i'm actually terrified in phrasing this question so I'm just going to make it very generic, Kian. You said just uh, the other night, uh, probably late at night, probably while Yaniv had a few uh, shots, he posted something on Instagram. Uh, can you kind of explain what it was and maybe keep it clean for a family audience if that's possible? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I saw this late at night. Um and I'm still reeling from it. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. This is the most disgusting thing I have seen in a very, very long time. Jonathan Yaniv took to Twitter last night. People are, people are, there's rumors flying that he was drunk. We, we don't know that for sure. But what we do know is that he posted what looks to be a war crime on Twitter. Oh, and for some <laughs> reason, Twitter hasn't removed it. It is a picture of his mutilated penis um and it's supposedly proof that he's somehow a woman uh it comes with stretch marks and all and it is is something that i would not wish on my worst enemy to have to look at uh it is on twitter but it i think this was posted in response to my video that came out this week saying that yaniv was dodging court using his surgeries as an excuse and he posted something you know he he thought what he was posting was an own to me maybe like he was he was showing me something but you know it really just was embarrassing to him 
Unbelievable, Key, and I, I guess a notorious hustler publisher, Larry Flint, checked out at the right time, so I don't even know if he could endure that kind of pornography. Um, you know, Kian, this is an individual, we've speculated uh, many months on this. We're trying to figure out what the unspoken motivation is. I firmly believe it's a combination of being a con artist, gaming the system, you know, getting money, hopefully, from the Human Rights Tribunal for supposed discrimination, getting free rides by BC Transit when he pretends to be handicapped. And he's not handicapped. We've seen the guy run. Um, and it's, so it's a combination of being a con artist and um, I think there's a degree of mental illness there, too, with Certainly. him and his mother. So I, I think that's what we're dealing with. I still have a figure. They always say, follow the money. I don't know where the money is coming from. That remains a huge mystery. But I, at the end of the day, this is an individual. But let's talk about how this kind of trans insanity is seeping into general society. We had Dr. Teresa Tam, remember, tweeting out, a tweet about pregnant people, not pregnant women, pregnant people. So apparently men can get pregnant too. And just the other day we had, and we had a piece on our website about this, Kian, uh, UK hospitals being told to stop using terms in the maternity ward, such as, you know, when mothers are, are about to give birth, don't use a term such as breastfeeding because men don't have breasts, the proper term now is chest feeding. What I'm getting at is that the vast majority of people on this planet, and I'm talking 99.999999 infinity percent, we're being told that we're in the wrong, we're intolerant, so we can accommodate 0.0000 infinity, 0.1%. And I'll tell you, Ken, I feel like sometimes I'm living in an insane asylum. Yeah, you are. I mean, the day isn't too far away when uh, Jonathan Yaniv is allowed to have a kid. Uh, and that's something that, you know, isn't far down the road. Um, he is, you know, this whole chest feeding thing is, you know, I can I can see this happening within the next decade. Yaniv is now a woman and he seems to get off on on displaying his womanhood to people and proving that he's a woman using feminine hygiene products when he doesn't have to. This is this is all part of some sick sex game for him. And the next step is getting a kid involved, I think. And chest feeding and and all of that kind of stuff is going to be par for the course. And this is something that Justin Trudeau and his government have enabled through all of these yeah. bills that have progressed since Stephen Harper left office, saying that, you know, we ca we have to use the right pronouns or else. Yes. And then it goes to chest feeding. Then then nurses aren't allowed to, you know, maybe say, oh, this is a little unhealthy situation for a kid, don't you think? Uh, and then social workers aren't allowed to intervene. And then, uh, you know, just uh, J Jonathan Yaniv, uh, gets to have his way, gets what he ultimately desires, the, the what the you know peak womanhood. And just to wrap, uh, Keen, I mean, the way I feel about people who are trans, I mean, if you want to slice and dice your genitalia, if you want to wear women's clothes when you're a man and vice versa, um, you know what? Do your own thing. If you want to pretend it's Halloween 365 days, I could care less. But when you start forcing your mandates on others. When someone like a Yaniv goes to the homes of immigrant women and tries to get them to shave his genitals um, and, you know, 
fabricates a human rights complaint out of it to game the system. That's what bothers me. And what bothers me even more, it's clear there is a mental illness aspect here. And yet government, bureaucracy, education, we have to accommodate, I guess, the mentally ill trans people. Because if you don't, you are transphobic. What are your thoughts, Kian? You know, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. This this is a slippery slope that Justin Trudeau put us on uh, the summit of, and we are sliding down it, and we're speeding up, and we will continue to speed up until we crash violently at the bottom. Uh, and that's what Trudeau wants, right? That's what these radical activists wants. And I have nothing against actual trans people, to be clear. Uh, I You know, I, I, I know a few of them. They're, they're good people. But Jonathan Yaniv is not that. Jonathan Yaniv is using the system. He's abusing the system so that he can get what he wants. He is a sociopath, in my opinion. Uh, he is absolutely insane. He's a predator. And Justin Trudeau has enabled this through his, you know, uh, through his policies that have forced everyone else to be gaslit over the past five, six, seven years into thinking that this is normal. Well, 100%, uh, Kian, great report, and uh, I want to thank you for looking at that picture of the undercarriage so that I didn't have to. Oh, it's waiting in your inbox, David. You're going to look at it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Okay, then. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Folks, we were recently tipped off by an inmate, or I mean a guest, that the Radisson Hotel in Mississauga, Ontario, is being used as a quarantining facility. Our source sent photos of a clogged sink, urine-stained floors, and other indignities that she is enduring. So we decided to visit this hotel located at 175 Derry Road East. Alas, as per usual, We didn't get much tangible information. Here, check it out. We went to the front desk and spoke to a security guard and a front desk employee who apparently put us in the direction of a manager. She said she was quarantining here. Are you a guest here? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Are you under quarantine? Yes, I was. Yeah. Can't talk for a quick Yes, sir. Are you under quarantine here? Are you under quarantine here? Why are you getting out of house and burned down? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, take care. Hi. Hey, how you doing there? Are you a guest here at the hotel, ma'am? Or? No, I work here. Oh, okay then. Um, I'm David Menzies of Rebel Nays, and we were told that this was a quarantine hotel. Is that correct? It's isolation. Isolation. Okay then. So, some of the people that get off the planes at Pearson, they're taken here? No. Okay, it's some other kind of isolation? Yes. Okay, so who, who would be in these, these rooms here? I don't know if I can discuss that. Oh, you can't, eh? I don't know, yeah. Okay. Private, right? Confidential. Yeah, but you know, you'd be getting government money, though, right, to to rent no, out these rooms. No, I'm not interested. Sorry. No. no. Okay, then. You um, should ask permission before you film me. Yeah, is is there, I appreciate that. Is there any reason for the secrecy, or? Thank you. Thank you. 
you okay? What, what temperature did you get there? Yeah, just ask Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Uh, you mean the PM that tried to ban us from parliamentary debates, amongst other events? Yeah, I'm sure Mr. Blackface will get back in touch with us right away. In any event, here's what you had to say about what appears to be the latest government-run quarantine facility in the greater Toronto area. Investing 101 writes, Chinese-owned hotel chain being used to forcefully quarantine Canadians, and it's not a bad dream. That's right, folks. The Radisson Hotel Group is indeed owned by a state-controlled company in China. So fancy that. The nation that inflicted untold trillions of dollars of economic damage upon the planet thanks to the Wuhan virus is now actually benefiting from taxpayer funds to quarantine people who might have the virus. As they say, big money always finds its way home. Hunter Black writes, we'll never stay at Radisson ever again, as should all Canadians that value our constitutional rights and freedoms. You know, I can't blame you for wanting to boycott Radisson, Hunter Black, assuming you have a choice to do so. I mean, what if the government forces you to stay there, and that's the scary thing. Cooper's friend writes, transparency from the Liberal Party? Their allegiance is to a global elite and not the citizens who gave them their jobs. But Cooper's friend, Justin Trudeau said on election night back in 2015 that this would be the most transparent government in Canadian history. Surely this august intellectual wouldn't lie to us. Would he? Pickle Jars for Hillary writes, It's not a concentration camp, it's an internment center. Yeah, that's right, or to put it another way, you say tomato, I say tomato. And Seema Sharma writes, Why do conservatives not ask these questions in question period? Oh, that's because the Conservative Party of Canada is now being led by the hapless Aaron Don't Rock the Boat O'Toole, and O'Toole is following pretty much the same game plan as former leader Andrew Scheer. You know, take the West for granted while sucking up to the mean girls and the media party and the Laurentian elites. And we all know how well that strategy panned out for Mr. Scheer, don't we? Wow. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.